Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's Buddy Franklin knocked away by Morris. Couldn't mark it. Naismith, Kennedy, Hamble out to Buddy. Buddy tackled by Morris. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the center square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boys oh. kick the goal from inside the center. Yes, hello everyone and welcome to the SC Playbook podcast for round 12 of the AFL season, proudly brought to you by Pat and George from Mortgage Choice SCW. My name is Eddie, Uh, I'm going to be running you through things today as always. Uh, We've got a couple of big guests on the show today, early podcast recording, so we've we've pulled the only two boys still at uni that can give us the time during the day. Uh, We've got Dylan, uh, writer at the Herald Sun, uh, general all-round super coach, Nuffy. Dylan, how are you tracking on this fine Monday morning? Yeah, good thanks, Eddie. How are you? Uh, I'm fantastic, mate. Um, I've had a pretty down week in Supercoach, but things are rosy. Things are looking good. We've got the buyers. We've got DPPs to talk about. Um, it's going to be a big pod. And on the right of my podcast style, I've got the sniffly, snuffling, beanie-clad Charlie Dads, uh, writer at SC Playbook, now full-time member of the SC Playbook team. Charlie, how are you going? Good, thanks, Eddie. Um, yeah, good to be back. Uh, and I'll uh, definitely be having a lot to rant about this week. It's another terrible week for Elite Dads. <laughs> they seem to be cracking up for you at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, we'll get straight, suck straight into how we went over the weekend. Dylan, um, I'm going to, I can't go anywhere else but you for this. How was your week? Run us through it. It was actually surprisingly good. I um, I was out umpiring on Saturday morning, so I couldn't take Lockie Neal's VC, but everything else seemed to go pretty well. I scored uh, 2.504. Um, had some big scores from the likes of Tommy Stewart, um, James Sicily, Neil, obviously, um, Josh Dunkley, some of these guys. So got off pretty well, I think, um, in the scheme of things. I brought in uh, – who did I bring in? I brought in Bontempelli a week early um, in anticipation for his forward status. And that that went okay. Um, I was a little bit dirty, though, because I it was either him or Jack Sinclair, and Sinclair went, um, mm. went nuts. So uh, long term, it's probably okay, but um, short term, it was a little bit frustrating. What about you, Charlie? How did you track over the weekend? I uh, yeah, two two three five. <clears throat> so I moved down seven thousand spots to twenty eight thousand. Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be a really tough week for coaches, but um, 
I guess everyone kind of just every, like most people had Neil captain, and then Sinclair obviously. A couple of people had Stewart, and there were like a lot of big scores this week that I just didn't have in my team. That's the way it goes, unfortunately. I was kind of similar to you, Charlie. I scored 2,409. I thought that was going to be about par because I had a lot of things go right for me, but apparently that was uh, pretty bad overall. So it went down 300 spots to 1,300th. So that's where we're sitting currently. I was kind of, yeah, I, I didn't think it would be that bad. I thought I was probably going to hold steady, but um, that's the way it goes in Supercoach. Uh, Dylan, we've, we've sort of moved. We've got to a kind of a new topic uh, at the moment where we, we go through our wins and losses for the week. So I thought rather than giving our heroes and villains, probably makes more sense just to go through what went well for you and what didn't. So what went well for you over the weekend? You mentioned a couple of uh, a couple of those trades that you brought in. Tommy Stewart, um, what, else was, uh, what else was a positive for you over the weekend? Um, the fact that Sam Hayes actually played, because if he was out, I was screwed. Um, I've still got Hugh Dixon at R3 um, and no no Tim English, no Proust. Um, so it was sort of haze or bust for me. Um, so that went well. Um, what else? I think I avoided all the bad premium scores. So Petrak is one that um, is pretty highly owned and scored 50 or 60 in the end. I didn't have him. Um, Isaac Heaney another one who was flying at the start of the year, but I don't have him. So I think avoiding those crappy scores um, helped me a little bit and just getting those consistent, whether it's an 80 from a Canelio type or a 100 from a, um, a Zach Butters, uh, two Miller as well, scored 100. So I think just consistency across the board was a was a big win. Love it, Charlie. What about you? What went right? I know a lot of things went wrong, but what were, what were the good parts before we get stuck into your ranting for the week? Oh, it was incredibly hard to even pick out a couple of players to give praise to, but Neil with a, a 164, Dunkley with a 143, Butters with a 104. Um, unfortunately, I didn't really have any pods that scored well. Uh, Dawson, 104. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't, wasn't a very positive week. The, the losses were uh, far greater. Um, Pendlebury with 62. Oof. Um, he's just, I don't know what's going on with him. It's terrible. He's, I think he scored 80 and then, a couple 60s since I've brought him in or something. It's, he's been a joke. Um, Dacos, 59. He started moving back in price. Um, so, yeah, it's, but it's just it's a tricky time whether you trade him now or, or at his buy. Um, not sure what to do with that. Rioli had to field him. He got 36. Ooh. And then, yeah, I went a week early on Bont as well um, in anticipation of forward status, which in hindsight was a great pick, but I, I capped him in, captained him um and he only got a 98 so i was expecting a lot more from him yeah it was one of those weeks where like you say charlie a lot of things went right but there was a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong um my things that went right for the week uh, i was pretty happy to ha- I hang- hung on to nick martin um who punched out a 92 which was good that sort of arrests his little slide over the last couple of weeks uh which is nice coming into the bars um hobbs again was fantastic uh, i'm very very happy to have him um, as a mid-forward now, which is going to be really valuable over the buys. Um, and yeah, Dawson was a nice little POD that's been a good pick so far. What went wrong for me, I had a couple of really annoying decisions that just went the wrong way. Um, fielding Dacos over McCartan and Sam DeConing, I'm not going to do that again. Those two are, are clearly ahead of Dacos when it comes to form. Uh, Wits captain over Lockie Neal. Um, yeah, I, I was always going to captain Wits, so that one wasn't too bad. But the one that really hurt was, uh, I was talking to you boys about it in the chat. I really wanted to get rid of Proust. Um, I had the trade sitting right there. I was going to go Proust to Darcy, fit my buy structure. It felt good. Um, at the end of the day, I, I thought that Hayes was going to play, which he did, uh, but should have just gone early on Proust to Darcy would have and netted an extra 100-odd points, which would have been really handy. Dylan, what about you? What went wrong for you over the weekend? 
Um, uh, not so much something that goes wrong, but Hayes at R2, I know this week it was okay given Proust didn't play, but long term that's a, um, a, a bit of a worry. Um, and I still had to feel the likes of McCartan, Sam DeConing, um, Greg Clark as well, who when a lot of other coaches are nearing um, full premium, they can hurt when they're churning out 70s, which, which aren't bad for rookies, but if I'm getting a 70 from Paddy McCartan and someone else is getting 140 from Sinclair, that sort of has me behind the eight ball from the get-go. Big time. Um, now, boys, if you're after premium content, the listeners out there, um, and you're enjoying what we're doing over here, then I encourage you to sign up to SC Playbook for $30, which gets you our entire content library for the 2022 AFL season. Or if, you've, if you're a bit of a sports lover, you can go $40 for the full package, which gets you AFL, NRL, and BBL content. Um, you get extra articles every week uh, of the season, as well as the BBL preseason when that comes up. Um, you get entry into our exclusive WhatsApp group where you can chat with us about your team, um, access to our unlimited group major prize and plenty more. Um, but if you're not interested in that, don't worry. We've got a heap of free content on the site that you can rummage through. Just make sure you visit scplaybook.com.au plus follow our Insta, Facebook and Twitter socials at SC Playbook AFL. And there's a lot of good stuff going on there at the moment. Charlie, you've taken over the social stuff and uh, it's looking pretty schmick at the moment. Um, yeah. now, boys, there's a lot to get through this week um, in terms of big topics. And the place I want to start is probably um, the thing that most coaches have been hanging out for for quite a while and it's the position changes. Um, so we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks and it's now been finally formalised. Um, we've got all the new position changes come through. There's 23 of them to my count, which is uh, pretty handy. That's a, There's a lot of relevance in there. Dylan, I sent you through an article this morning um, about which players are going to add positions. Uh, which of the boys that I've sent through to you, which of those stand out, apart from the obvious Bontempelli, Bailey Smith, are there any sort of lesser lights that we, we need to focus on? Um, maybe slightly controversial. I think not. Um Robbie McComb, McComb, however you say it, he's handy. Um, a lot of coaches will have him, so that opens up a, uh, a forward swing. But other than that, I don't think there's really anyone that – maybe Horn Francis, if you've still got him, but I think a lot of coaches have jumped off him. No one else really um, jumps out to me. Um, I don't know if you guys have uh, different opinions, but they're all – at this time of year, I'm always wanting to upgrade to someone who's a out-and-out premium, and there's no one really aside from your Bontepelli's and your Bailey Smiths that jump out. There's one I want to throw at you that has I haven't seen get any attention at all, and that's Mark Blitzarves, who before this uh, change in uh, positions was a defender only. He's added ruck status. I'm going to read you off his last five scores. Actually, I'm going to read you off his last eight scores. He's gone 119, 104, 93, 135, 111, 104, 101, 116. He's now a ruckman. You can also get him as a defender. Um, does that hold any value at all for you, Charlie? Absolutely. I, I think I wrote about him in maybe a, a Pod Hunter article a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's like a seriously good option and just like been so consistent this year. I think he's dropped 150. I mean, like not 150, like a score of 50. Yeah. Um, and then all the other scores have been over 80. And yeah, obviously the last eight scores have been 100. What I really like is if you brought him in this week into R2, um, hold off until round 15 after Gorn's by when he's fully bottomed out and then switch Blitzars back to defender and bring in Gorn. I think that's a great option um, if you've got the luxury to do that. He's a yeah super flexible player and scoring heaps well. I'm going to read through, I think it's probably worth at this point reading through a few of the names in their entirety. So we've got Billy Frampton adds a uh, defensive status, not relevant. Sam Berry adds a forward status, not relevant. Darcy Cameron adds forward status, uh, sorry, adds ruck status which is very relevant. Dylan, did you happen to jump on Cameron a month ago? 
No, I didn't. Um, but I think with him, like, if you're going to pick Cameron, you've a, oh, what's his break even? It's only 55 still, so you can still probably look at him if you um, are interested. I'd only pick him as a forward. I wouldn't pick him as a ruck because if you're picking him as a ruck, you're essentially sacrificing one of Gorn, Wits, um, and then you've got English and, and Sean Darcy as well as sort of the top four in my opinion. Um, I don't know that Cameron's in that in that same threshold, but without without Brody Grundy for what the next six weeks is he still um, away? Yeah, he's got a bit of time off. Yeah, yeah. He, Cameron could still be a nice pick just on Blixarves as well. I didn't realise he's averaging ninety nine point four. Um, yep. The only factor that concerns me with Blixarves is Segler, who did my head in at Hawthorne for five or six years, but he is probably sniffing around soon, coming back from a a foot injury, I think it might be. Um, Anyway, long-term injury, um, but he's apparently nearish to a return. Interesting. Um, I'll keep reading through a few of these names. We've got um, Ben Hobbs, who we spoke about, um, adds forward status, which is, yeah, incredibly handy. Isaac Smith adds mid. Um, Adam Kennedy from GWS adds mid status, so he's a deaf mid now. Um, Harry Perryman adds defensive status. Uh, Connor Rosie adds mid status. Ivan Soldo now has a forward status, which is interesting um, given the Nankervis situation there. Um, we got Heaney adds mid status. Yeah, I think like you say, Dylan, I think it's probably slightly overrated. We've got the two big names in Bont and Bailey that are, that are taking the headlines, rightfully so. Charlie, well, actually both of you moved heaven and earth to get in Bontepelli this week. Do, do you think in retrospect that that was the right call, Charlie? Yeah, absolutely. Um, scored a 98, which is still, if you're thinking about it from a, like a forward perspective, that's a great score um, in the context of, of this year's forward crop. Um, I fully, yeah, I fully support it. Dylan, Just, what, about Bailey, what about Bailey Smith? Is he one that, you're, that you've got your eye on? Yeah, probably not right now, um, purely because it doesn't help my buys. He's coming off a week with the flu, so he does have a, a low break even, but I think he'll be one for a couple of weeks away. Just on that um, DPP list, another one, uh, Harry Perryman. He's, I think he's a bit of a sneaky option. Super consistent. He had one score of 59 against St Kilda back in round six, but everything else has been 87 plus. Um, I don't know. He's one to probably think about. Um, if you are looking left field, his ownership is um, is less than 1%. So three-round average of 109. If you can pick him as a defender, that might not be the worst option. It seems like he's got a pretty low ceiling is my only um, my only gripe with Perryman. His last five, he's gone 101, 93, 93, 138, 196. The 138 was against um, West Coast. So, um, yeah, you can take that with a grain of salt. But, yeah, I agree. There's a few, there's a bit of value floating around in GWS at the moment. Um, Peatling is another one who's gone bang, bang in the last couple of weeks with a couple of big scores. Um, in, to wrap things up from a, from a DPP perspective, um, are, are we going to? Do we need to focus on the next couple of weeks getting in these these guys that have added in? A Bont and Bailey Smith should they be the top of everyone's list, Charlie? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I don't know. It's like I don't know. The way I think about it is when you get like a Christmas present or something as a kid, and you're really excited for about two weeks, and it kind of drops off. Like these guys, I don't think they're the best options. I think they're only they're only hyped up because they've got these new positions. I don't actually think that. They provide a whole lot. Bont and Bailey Smith are an exception, but I definitely wouldn't be moving um, or try. I wouldn't be doing everything I possibly can to get them in at this point. Fair enough. Yeah. Moving on to our next big topic, um, which is the buys. So uh, we've been discussing these again for the last few weeks. It's now officially become the round 12 buy. 
Um, we've got uh, who has to buy this week, Dylan? Have you got that handy? Um, just give me GWS, GWS, Carlton, um, Richmond, Port, um, Essendon. Yeah, that's it. That yeah. yeah. So the there is a few very relevant players uh, who are going to miss for us this week. How many guys are you currently fielding for this round 12 uh, by round, Dylan? Um, so at the moment, guys that are available for, for selection, I've got 21. Um, mm-hmm. But that includes Hugh Dixon, so I guess he can go to 20. And then Paul Curtis is only scoring 30s, so, so does he even really count? Um, so this week I should be okay, though. Um, I only really lose Hewitt short. Crips and um, Butters and Cornelio. So I think this week I'll, I'll be okay. Um, it's next week where I'm sort of in a bit of strife. What is your projected score on the uh, Supercoach app currently? Uh, 2020. Okay, we can deal with that. That sounds very reasonable. Charlie, how about you? How many players are you fielding this week? I, I've got 20. Um, but yeah, like Dylan, that includes Paul Curtis, who yeah probably doesn't really count. Um, and Brady... Hoff, who, well, he scored well, but I don't know if he can keep that up. Um, and then I'm projected before trades to get 19-17. Okay. And what trades are you looking at this week? Well, I'm not actually sure. Um, I was playing around with it earlier and I really didn't want to make any trades just because I don't like bringing players who still have to play their buy um, or still have to have the buy. I don't really like doing that. But... Um, Bringing in Darcy for Pruce actually really helps my buy structure. Yeah. Um, and it kind of allows me to bring in Machido Owens as well um, this week, even though he does have the buy, to have that player playing in round 13, which I really need. Um, that'll be heaps helpful. Yeah, that's actually an interesting question. I want to, what I wanted to ask you, Dylan, um, there really isn't that many options when it comes to downgrades and or upgrades this week. Uh, which means that, like Charlie says, there are going to be a lot of coaches who are looking towards the likes of Jacob Ware from um, GWS and Mitch Owens from St Kilda to bring them in now to free up cash and trades for next week when there actually is um, the potential to downgrade and upgrade uh, in a in a regular fashion. So in in on the back of Charlie's thing there about bringing in Machito Owens, is that something that you would look at bringing in someone who's on their buy just so that you have a bit more room to move next week or or do you have to wait until next week to make sure Owens is named and playing? Um, so I put in Jacob Ware um, last week. I got I stuffed up a lockout. I was meant to get Cooper Stevens and ended up with Ware. Um, I haven't seen him play. I can't tell you much about him, but he scored okay. Um, I am a little bit worried about when Lockie Whitfield returns, so I'm not sure that I'd go early on him. Um, but Mitch Owens, I think he's a really good pick. I watched him pretty closely yesterday. Had a lot of CBAs. Um, Sort of did a run with the role a little bit with um, Jai Simkin as well. I think he'll be okay um, for the next month or so. So he's one that I'd probably look to go early over um, over where. Um, yep. Yeah, it's hard because there's not really any rookies that are looking that great for us. Luke Cleary was one I was super keen on last week and then he got dropped. So um, sort of hard to know. I think Owens is the one though if you do need to go um, someone who's on a buy um, or who isn't quite ready to max out in price, he's one who I'd look at. 
I agree. And and he's been playing some really, really good VFL footy. So it was only a matter of time before he came back in the AFL side. He needed to show that he could produce at AFL level. Uh, and he quite clearly did that yesterday, albeit against North Melbourne. It's a pretty soft team to come up against for your for your second game of AFL footy, but he did enough. Um, I'm kind of looking similar to you, Charlie. I think, yeah, next week you're going to want to use at least three trades, maybe four, uh, because there are so many good options coming through. You know, we've also got... Uh, a couple other boys in the bubble who we're going to talk about later, but I think Owens is probably the right call. So does that mean that you're that both of you are sort of thinking about not using so many trades this week, maybe one or two, and then saving them for next week? Dylan, are you going to be using two trades, three trades this week, or saving them for next? Uh, I think probably saving them. I have looked at flicking Hayes and um, maybe like a Mitch Hinge type for like a Sean Darcy and, and a rookie, perhaps Owens or um, or... I think with DPPs, I had to look at someone like a Sam Butler, which I'm not too keen on. Um, I think it might be might, – I might just wait. Um, I do like Darcy, though. Both he and Tim English have really low break-even, so I sort of want to get on, on board one of those guys. But as Charlie mentioned before, they've still got a buy to come, so it's a little bit difficult. I think I'm probably leaning towards just waiting a little bit. Yeah, we're going to have next week's going to be very tricky for a lot of teams. I think I've currently got 17 players for next week. So need to always keep that at the back of mind. Um, for this week, uh, I'm rolling with uh, 19, um, including Curtis, uh, in, and then not including Elijah Hollands, who seems to be a chance to come in every week. Uh, we have no idea when that'll be. Bringing in Darcy for proofs gives me 20 um, plus a decent buy structure for next week. So I'm, I'm thinking I should do that. I'm kicking myself for not doing it last week uh, and not backing myself in. Um, but that is the way it is. You mentioned just then, Dylan, an important point, which is a lot of these guys, especially some of the ones we've been talking about that have added positions, English, Bont, Bailey Smith, they've got their buy next week, but they are sort of as cheap as you're going to get them this week. English particularly is one um, that a lot of coaches are going to be looking at. How important is it, do you think, that he has the buy next week? And that do you think it's, Do you think that plays into whether or not you get him this week or is it just a get him now while he's cheap sort of situation? Um, oh, I still haven't really decided that for myself, so it's hard to say. But I do think English will score pretty well this week. He comes up against Geelong, who's sort of been rucking with Blixarves, who's not quite a recognised ruckman. So I think he'll score well again um, if he scores according to these projections. If he scores 127, he goes up another 30K. And so you're looking at mm. 630 grand for for um, for big Tim English. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. I think you can get away with Darcy over English um, initially, who seems to suit teams better. Um, from a buyer's perspective. But, yeah, I think come the end of the year, everyone's going to want English at some point. So um, I do think in some ways the bot, people planning for the buyers is a little bit overrated. Um, obviously, if you can, it, it's good. But a guy like English is going to end up top six as a forward and, and potentially top top two or three as a ruck as well. I think he's a pretty good pick still. Yeah, I think someone was mentioning that in our, um, in our subscriber chat the other day that they brought in Pendlebury. Um, because his buy his buy structure suited them better than Jack Sinclair, um, and yeah, in retrospect, that looks like a pretty average pick. But it's hard to know at the time. Um, I just think, yeah, you, you are right in general that people paying too much attention to buy structure can can hurt you rather than help you. Um, next big topic, boys. Uh, we've spoken a little bit about about them already, uh, but downgrade options this week. Um, I've got I've got probably five names that I want to throw at you, and I've, if I've missed any, please let me know. We've got Machido Owens who has the buy this week. Jacob Ware, who has the buy this week. Joel Jeffrey, who put in another really, really good game. Um, he's already gone up in price, uh, but he's an option if you're looking for a forward line uh, rookie. I'm just looking up his stats now. Um, we've also got uh, Brady Huff. Charlie, you mentioned him. 
Um, and Cooper Stevens, who played another good game. Dylan, did you catch the Cooper Stevens uh, game on Saturday? I didn't catch Stevens, um, but he scored. What did he score? Forty-seven, I think, from memory. Forty-six. Um, yeah, I, I can't really speak. I watched him uh, when he debuted against GWS and was really good. I thought he was stiff to get dropped. He then sort of got picked up again um, for the round ten game against Port. I just worry with Stevens. He's now at one hundred and seventy k. I don't know how worth it is bringing him in. I'm not. I'm not sure that he's got that much cash generation left in him. He's not scoring that well to be a, a um, an on field option. I think I'd probably look elsewhere and wait for Mitch Owens a week later, who's 70k cheaper, 60k cheaper. Charlie, can I tempt you with Joel Jeffries at 188k now? He's got a break in of negative 77. Um, his scores, he's gone 25, 95, 93. Importantly, he only kicked one goal on the weekend against Hawthorne. So he can score. He's got a very low break even. If teams are looking for a, a forward downgrade, would you go a week late on Jeffrey? Um, no, I, I think he looks good on paper, but I don't know. I just I, I feel like he's still very prone to putting up a 30 or even a 20 as he's already done this, this year. Um, I mean... He's proved me wrong. Last week I said that he relied on goals for points and he clearly doesn't. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm still not convinced and I feel like I've missed the boat anyway. If I'm picking him up at close to 200K. Like that's that's pretty expensive. What about Brady Huff, uh, Dylan? So he's gone – he's played five games of AFL footy. He's gone 47, 40, 49, a three, uh, which is kind of handy in the scheme of things, a 67 last week against the Bulldogs. He's got a 26 break-even. He's in 15% of teams for some reason. Um, he's at 163K. Is he one that gives you pause for thought about him as well? No, nah, not really. I think if you have him, that's great that he's back and he's playing and he's scoring okay. But I think he's probably a, a 45, 50 average midfielder. Um, and looking at my team and how it's structured, I, like I've got Morris Rioli and Jack Carroll and that in the midfield at the moment, so there's not really any point. It just seems sideways for a guy that's not going to make a lot of cash. He's not scoring that well either. Um, I think I'd rather just hold the trade. Yeah, we're kind of desperate for Elijah Hollands to come in. He's been promised for a number of weeks now. I'm just looking at his VFL stats. On the weekend, he had 84 Dream Team points, 23 disposals, 13 kicks, 10 handballs, a couple of tackles. So he, hey, yeah, he's he got to be debuting at some point this season, right? Have you seen – you're, you're a VFL, avid VFL watcher. Have you seen any of him this season? Um, yeah, haven't for the past few weeks. Um, but I think he's probably come unstuck a little bit because Gold Coast have been so good the last month. Um, yeah, that's true. They're bound to hit a wall at some point, I think. Um, I don't know that it'll come this week against North Melbourne. I think they'll probably win there. Um, they get Adelaide away – or might not be away. They get Adelaide the week after. Um, sorry, they've then got the bye after North and then Adelaide and Port. Um, I think it's probably likely we see him in about a month. I don't know that he'll come in – I mean, they were pretty dominant against us. I can't see them having too many changes. Um, I think he's one that hopefully come post-buyers is, a, is an option. One kind of more broad question that I wanted to throw at you, Charlie, was how important is cash generation going to be at this point of the buyers? So teams at the moment, are, 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 I think they're still rising in cash. My team's still slightly rising in cash, um, up to $13.6 million value. How important is cash gen going to be over the buyers versus uh, having job security? So, for example, um, where, do, where does that weigh? How, how much do you need cash and how much do you need players that are actually going to play over the buyers? Yeah, well... 
cash is probably the most important thing of Supercoach. You want to build up your team value. You want to get your rookies off the ground, bring the primos in. But during the buyers, the most important thing is just definitely having those green dots and, and making sure that you can field, obviously, at least 18 players. But even that, as a minimum, probably isn't enough. You want to be having, you know, 19 to 20. Um, if I was bringing in players this week, I would be looking at their job security more than anything. Yeah. yeah. So one in the context of that question, Dylan, is um, the SC Bandit is talking in our chat about bringing in Luke Stranatica this week from West Coast. He's played two games. He's at 102K. He doesn't look like he's going to get back in the team anytime soon. But at 102K, downgrading Hayes to him and having that floating um, ruck R3 that doesn't play could be handy from a loophole perspective. It's definitely handy from a cash gen perspective because you're making 300K on Hayes. Uh, where do you stand on that on that argument, and how how much how what, what's the value of your team at the moment as well? Yeah, I just had a look as you mentioned yours. So I'm at three two uh, three two fifty, um, but still got some. I still got McCartan. I've still got Hinge. Um, still got Clark McComb, Sam DeConing as well. So I'm not too concerned at the moment about that. Um, I I don't mind this, the um, I don't know how to say the bloke's name. Stradica. Um, anyway, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, him. I think he's actually not a bad call. He was. There was some uh, discussion in the um, subscriber chat that perhaps he's not quite near selection. I actually disagree with that. I think Q Dixon's clearly not not first choice. Um, they rushed Callum Jamison on the weekend. There's not really anyone who's made that rough position their own um, at West Coast since Nat Nui went down. So I actually think there's a chance he features again in the next. Um, Next little while, just looking on the weekend. So Bailey Williams and Callum Jamison did the bulk of the rough work. Um, I think Big S, I'll call him um, to avoid that name. <laughs> I think he, um, <laughs> I think he might actually come in. He he, he was crook with COVID or the flu, and then um, did a calf as well. So he's due back in the next, well, it could be this week. Um, I think he's not a bad downgrade if he if he's at R um, R three. Yeah, gee, it's a tough one, isn't it? I'm just having a look at his uh, his waffle stats from the weekend. He didn't play, did he? he? Had COVID. Hugh Dixon, yeah, had nine disposals, um, one hit out for some reason, which is uh, which is interesting for what allegedly is a first choice ruck. So, yeah, I, yeah, it, it's a really really difficult one. I can definitely see the merit in it, but it, you know, if you had 21 players playing and you didn't need that that Sam Hayes 70 that it's going to give you, then maybe. Um, but, yeah, it's a very tough one. I don't know where I sit on that one. Dixon uh, must have played – sorry, Kate, you're off it. He must have played forward because he's kicked three. Okay, that makes more sense then. So um, maybe that's why the uh, the hit-out count was lower. It kind of follows on from this, but my next big topic that we I wanted to talk to you guys about, and it's very relevant for my team and what trades I'm planning, um, the topic is broadly Braden Proust. Uh, it seems that most people see, are, are holding him and just playing Sam Hayes uh, in that R2 spot. But I feel like that we're losing an opportunity doing that. I, and I'm dirty with myself that I didn't trade Proust on the weekend. Uh, he also didn't play very well in the VFL. Dylan, what, what do you think? Is he coming back in? And, and if he does come back in, is his job security okay? Is he going to play with Matt Flynn? Like, what, What's going on with Proust? Um, I don't think he's that good, to be honest. He was, he was second rate. I know he's behind Gorn and Goldstein. Um, in years gone by, but I just don't think he's that that great. He's he's getting on a little bit now. He's no longer young um, for a ruck. There's clearly holes in his game that have held him back um, to now. It doesn't help just looking at the stats from um, his game on the weekend in the twos. Ryan Abbott seemed to at least match him um, in the ruck, and he's a 
he's a VFL player. Um, we've come to learn. So yeah, I don't know if I, I, I missed out on Bruce earlier in the year. I went down the the Sam Hayes R two buff, but I would probably be cutting ties if I still had him. It's not it's not a great sign that he was fit and not picked. Um, I'm just bringing up Matt Flynn's stats now, but I don't think Flynn was great. Um, it was serviceable, um, and I think GWS played okay. So, yeah. so I don't know. It's it's. I'm just worried that we're going to get to a point where you you know you're in too deep. You've held him for three weeks and he hasn't played, and suddenly that means you can't get rid of him at that point because you've held him that long and you've got to kind of wait it out. Yeah, yeah. So um, Flynn on the weekend, uh, 85 super coach, seven kicks, seven handballs, 19 hitouts, kicked a goal. Um, was okay, you know. It's, it's against Brisbane, so it's nothing to write home about. Oscar McInerney probably beat him looking at the stats. I didn't watch the game, but McInerney had 39 hitouts. So, yeah. Oh, God, that's a tough one. Charlie, where are you on it? I, I know you're thinking about trading Proust this week to Darcy as well. Mm, yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I mean, before I was considering like holding him um, and, um, yeah, just trying to coast through until round 15 and then maybe upgrade him to English or round 14 and maybe up, upgrade him to English. But... The main deterrence with that is that I just feel trapped with him. Um, unless I train him out ASAP, uh, if I'm holding him for those like three weeks, I just feel like, yeah, I'm just going down like the rabbit hole and uh, I just feel like I'm going to be stuck with him. Yeah. I feel like Proust is everything we sort of expected him to be. So he played, started in round three, um, played round three and four, then missed. I think he belted someone and got the suspension. Played round six to nine, um, then missed with the flu then wasn't picked. Like, I feel like we, we sort of knew what we were getting um, at the start of the year with all the injury concerns and the suspension concerns and, and whatnot, and the, I guess, job security concerns too. I feel like if I had him, I'd probably cut ties. Yeah, uh, that's where I'm leaning at this point. We've also just got um, an interesting little message come through in our chat uh, regarding Charlie Combin, um, who's coming back from a foot injury currently. He played his first game of VFL over the weekend. He's at 103, he's 103K as a ruck. He kicked three in the VFL uh, in a pretty horrible loss for North Melbourne. Tristan Cherry was uh, abysmal on the weekend. Uh, Combin, he's he's, uh, he's been on the radar for quite a while. I think most teams have had him sitting at that R3 spot, just just burning cash at one point or another. Uh, Dylan, do you think he is one to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think so. I watched him a little bit earlier in the year um, as well. North sort of have a few options for big guys. Um, Callum Common-Jones is another that, um, didn't play AFL on the weekend. Um, I don't think I'm just trying to find it now. No, um, he didn't. I think he's injured actually. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so they've got obviously Goldstein, who looks really good as the number one ruck again. Um, Sherry, I, get, I didn't think much of his game either. Um, so there's a few sort of big blokes floating around. I think Comet has to get a chance at some point. North, there's not a lot going right for North. Um, I think you'd be silly not to at least look at him. In terms of where you go with Bruce, uh, we've sort of mentioned Sean Darcy. He's got a really friendly, uh, friendly schedule coming up. I think he plays. They play the Hawks this week. Uh, I'm just having a look now. He's got uh, he's got Brisbane, Hawthorne, and then Carlton. So that's three of the the weaker ruck lineups coming up. And he did very well against Bruce on the weekend uh, against Gorn on the weekend. Sorry, 141. In terms of other options, uh, we've got Nankervis uh, is sitting there. I know a couple of people went on him last week. He did really, really well. Uh, Darcy Cameron, is there any other ruck options that I should be looking at, Charlie? Uh, well, as we mentioned before, Blitzarves um, looks like a really good option, um, especially with that new DPP. Um, he's got a lot of appeal about him. Um, if you've got trade spare, I really like Darcy. I mean, not Darcy, sorry, Cameron. Um, 
I definitely can't do it. I've only got, well, if I bring in Darcy this week, I've only got 13 trades left. So I'm definitely not in a position to do it. But yeah, say if you've, I don't know, if you've got 16 trades left, you could probably, or 15 trades left, you could probably afford to, um, yeah, bring in Cameron this week, have him for six weeks until Grundy gets, um, or comes back. And then, yeah, maybe whoever's number one ruck at that, at that point in time, um, trade Cameron to them. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. It seems like it feels like there's there's going to be a battle for the R one spot for the season out of Wits and English. They're probably the two far and away clear ones at the moment. I'm going to throw a couple of point of difference names at you, Dylan. I want to get your thoughts on it. Oscar McInerney, three round average of 117, scored 112 on the weekend. Um, he's got Frio, St Kilda, Melbourne in the next three, so it's not the not the greatest uh, ruck schedule coming up. They're pretty hard teams to play against. What do you think of McInerney? Yeah, I think I'd probably pass on McInerney. Um, Looking at his scoreline, round one against Port, he scored well. Um, scored well against the Giants and Matt Flynn on the weekend, but the only other score over 100 was Adelaide in round nine. And I think that was when um, Kieran Strawn was rucking, perhaps, and yeah. Riley O'Brien had been dropped. Um, so not not too keen on McInerney. Um, but Todd Goldstein is one I am a little bit keen on because you can pick him as a forward too. His season average of 92 isn't anything to write home about, but... His last, oh, what's that, five weeks, um, four scores over 103, and the one that wasn't was an 88. Um, so that's a five-round average of 116. I think he's a, a smoky that in years gone by, and is, years gone by and has been uh, really popular. Um, and given you can pick him as a forward, I think he's another good option. Another one, you mentioned him just earlier, Riley O'Brien um, has had some issues getting into the team. He dropped 175 on the Cats last week. The Crows have got West Coast this week. Uh, they've then got, got Gold Coast and North Melbourne in the two weeks after their buy. Charlie, Riley O'Brien? I, I wouldn't um, personally, just because of the way my team's set up for the buyers. Um, I kind of really need people playing in round 13. But, um, yeah, he looks like a great option. I think he's, he's um, done his job security, no harm. He really shouldn't be dropped for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah he looks good. It was a baffling decision. I mean, Kieran Strawn, um, bless him, is not really AFL standard. Um, O'Brien was completely dominant. I think he had a he had something like 180 dream team points in the in the SNFL the week before. So I think his spot's safe. It's just whether I just I just I feel like there's an opportunity with R two. Um, I feel like we're bumbling around with these Proust and Hayes types, and there are so many other good options out there that people aren't pulling the trigger on. Um, Dylan, are you gonna are you sticking with Hayes? What's the long term plan with Hayes at R two for you? Uh, as soon as I can, I'd, I'd offload him, and I'm probably looking at one of uh, either English short term and then moving forward, or Darcy or Wits. Um, although I'd, I actually don't mind Goldstein actually looking at his stats. That was that's um, as a cheaper <laughs> option. <laughs> uh, as a cheaper option, I think that could be um, a little bit more accessible for people rather than a, a Wits and Darcy. But the flip side of that is if you're picking up Goldstein, who's Probably good for a hundred. You're missing out on a one twenty from Darcy English and Wits. So I think if you can find the cash to get up to one of the big dogs. Uh, the next big topic and our last big topic for this week. Um, again, quite broad. I've thrown at you. I threw this at you guys this morning um, to see what you think. There seems to be a lot of point of different mid prices coming up. Um, Dylan, we I think we spoke a bit in the preseason about this guy, Jed Anderson. Um, he's priced at four hundred k. Uh, he looked just amazing on the weekend. Um, he's obviously coming back from a very interrupted preseason. Um, don't need to go into the details of that. I think everyone's pretty well aware. He's dropped a. He's gone twenty three, then fifty five, then eighty seven, then one four four on the weekend against St Kilda. Is he one that you're keeping an eye on? 
Um, yeah, purely because he uh, he's got the uh, the forward status as well, um, which is enticing. I don't think I'd pick him up purely because um, at the moment I've probably got Butters and Cornelio in those positions, um, and now with the DPPs, I think guys like Bailey Smith become pretty relevant. Um, but he's certainly one to at least keep an eye on. Um, yeah. Charlie, you're all over this next guy, Jackson Hately, 354K. Talk to me about him. He's been incredible. Um, yeah, he's been in the side, which first of all was a good thing, and then he's been attending CBAs and, um, yeah, he's uh, in the last three games he scored 110, 88 and 108. Um, again, it's tricky with his round 13 buy, um, but in round 14 he's pretty much a straight swap from Dacos. Uh, so if you've got Dacos in the midfield, it really like Dacos will go down a bit in price, but it's probably only going to cost you 30k. Oh, I'm going to get Dacos to Hately, which looks really nice. Do you think this is sustainable, Dylan? Like we've seen this at junior level from Hately. This is the first time we've seen him go this go this big at AFL level. Is this is this a sustainable run of form? Um, oh, it's hard to like, similar to Bruce. I think there's there's clearly issues in his game that have held him back um, to now. I hope for his sake he gets a a clear run at it, um, but it, it seems like I don't really want the headache of mucking around with someone at 350 grand who's not going to make a sack of cash. He's not scoring well enough to be a top top 12 um, midfielder, so I think I'd rather just leave him. Yeah, it's probably a broader question, actually. Like, do you do you are you a fan of doing this sort of break even riding trading where you where you are just jumping on guys with small break evens who are in good runs of form, or are you more looking to to complete your team at this point and and Talk to me about the merits of both strategies. Yeah, I've in the past always been just complete the team, like pick the guy that's available. So probably wrongly, I put Jack Steele in at 630K um, prior to his injury and I probably could have looked at someone like a Petrarca at 550. Um, but at the time, I think he was Steele's going to be top eight, which I think he still would have been um, if he didn't get injured. Um, so I'm always of the belief that you pick the best players. Um, I think that's also... That's where I know we're talking about Pendlebury over um, Sinclair earlier in the pod. I think that's where people get unstuck is when they chase either buy structures or break evens, and I think the value can be a little bit deceptive at times. So, I yeah, I usually um, go for the the guys that I know are, are proven and will score well. Charlie, what about you? Where do you land on that issue? Because it, it is going to start to be relevant for a lot of teams, particularly, and I don't want to throw shade your way, but particularly for teams outside the top sort of 20K, you, you do need to do something out of the box to get back into the, the top 15, top 10K. Is that sort of a strategy that you look at going forward? Because I don't want to put words in your mouth, but at 28K, you, you're probably not going to get back up purely by getting the guys that everyone else has. You're probably going to need to make some, some out of the box decisions. So what's your strategy moving forward from this point? Yeah, agreed. Thanks, Eddie, for uh, <laughs> saying it a bit bluntly. But um, no, I've, basically in, in previous years, I've always kind of looked at value. I've, I've been a big value guy. Um, and this year, <clears throat> I think as much as I've looked at value, I've also um, kind of done a lot of talking without really acting on anything. So for about six weeks, I was continuously saying, oh, Took's at his lowest, I'm going to bring him in, I'm going to bring him in, never brought him in. Did the same with Zorko as well. I was about to bring in Zorko. Luckily, I didn't. Um, it is, I mean, everything plays an equal part in Supercoach, break-evens, um, fixtures, buy structure. you got to take everything into account. Moving forward, <clears throat> I think I'll probably follow Dylan's advice and just take the player that's there. Um, value is 
I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> be taking my advice to be honest when I'm sitting at twenty eight thousand. But um, it's all, yeah, it's always a good thing to consider, and um, I'll probably need to pick up a pot or two um, within the next few weeks. So the one that really is jumping off the page um, is Zach Merritt next week after his buy. Um, I absolutely love that, and that's that's a, a player who is. Um, seriously good value and he's got a great run of fixtures and he'll be passed as by anyway. So I think that one makes sense. Mm. Just just on the, the discussion of value, I guess, I think it's better to look at guys who are cheaper because they've been injured or they've had a role change rather than someone like a Jackson Haightley who we've never really seen put out the numbers that we sort of want. Um, so a guy that's either been injured or a role change, I think changes that discussion a little bit. Um, rather than someone that is speculative. So just looking at the list you've got here, I think Anderson's still pretty speculative. Side, but- side bottom's Cook, so I wouldn't go near him. Um, Row bottom, again, is speculative. Luke McDonald I liked. Um, I think I spoke to him about a month ago, but Aaron Hall's did, probably yeah. back. Um, Aaron Hall's probably back soonish, so he's probably not worth it. One more thing that I wanted to get to quickly before we run out of time on these big topics is... Um, it seems to be really hard to pick the top six forwards this week. And I was having a look just before we got on the, this call about uh, who were the, the top-owned forwards. And a stack of them, uh, they're just in that tricky range where you're not sure whether you're going to hold whether you can hold on to them. And you're not sure whether you're going to have to get rid of them. So I'm going to throw some names at you, Dylan. I want you to tell me who of these guys are keepers and who are going to be need who are, who will need to be moved on at some points. So we've got Heaney, Canelio, Brody, Butters, Dylan Moore, Jade Gresham, Dusty, and Darcy Cameron. Which of those names? That's a that's a stack of names. That's eight names I've thrown at you. They're all in the top sort of fifteen in terms of percentage owned in teams. Which of those guys can you actually bank on for the rest of the year? And which are you going to have to to make plans to get rid of? I think Brody at least deserves a look at when Fife comes back. Um, so I'm pretty happy to hold him. Cornelio, I know there was a, a bit of discussion in our um, group chat a fortnight ago now um, after Leon Cameron got sacked. I know, Eddie, you and I were both pretty keen on holding him and looking at the role and hoping he gets back to his best. He put out a 140 against West Coast and I think an 85 is still serviceable against um, Brisbane. So I'm happy to ride out Cornelio a little bit longer. Um, Heaney... Sorry, just on Cornelio before you go on. He had 25 touches on the weekend, went at just 60% efficiency. So I'm very happy with that 85. He scored 108 in fantasy, so... Um, if you can just clean up that disposal efficiency, I think he's uh, yeah he's he's going to be good for the next couple of weeks at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dusty, I think he's a keeper without looking at, at his averages. Dylan Moore, Jade Gresham, um, I'm least, uh, lesser inclined to, to look at. I think, though, the moral of the story or what I'd probably say here is that you want to get the rookies off field first. So I'd rather Dylan Moore scoring 95 than Greg Clark scoring 75 sort of thing. So I think you can start looking at your Butters and your Cornelios and your your Moors and your Heenies and whatnot once um, all the rookies are off field. Charlie, what about those guys? Anyone that Dylan's missed there that you think is a keeper or vice versa? No, I, I agree with Dylan completely. I've got in my notes here that getting rookies off the field is priority number one um, during buyers. In terms of the actual questions, you mean are they keepers like right now as of within this buy period or come season's end? No, I just mean which of these guys do you think will, should actually be in your team come the end of the season and which should yeah. should be going to someone else? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you could probably get away with trading more. Um, Eddie, you're probably 
pretty frustrated with him at the oh, moment. Very, he very looked, he looked really good. Yeah, before he traded him, he looked really good. Um, but if you can get him up to like a Tim English, um, that would be a great trade. Not sure about Canelio. Um, Brody, again, yeah, you'd have to watch watch um, how Fife impacts him when he comes back. Um, same with Gresham. He, he looks really good short term um, with Steele out of the side, but we've seen this year and in previous years that he just doesn't score well with Steele in that midfield. He gets pushed out. Um, and, yeah, Dusty, I think you just, I don't know, he's Dusty, so you probably keep him. Yeah, just on the forwards as well. Um, I know we've talked about in the past that there's a lot of Bulldogs there. So Tim English is one, uh, Josh Dunkley, Bailey Smith, Marcus Bontepelli, uh, Liberatore, Trelaw. Uh, that's six or seven players I've rattled off there that are all options. I don't, I don't know that it's a great idea to put too many eggs in that Western Bulldogs basket. So if you look past that crew, um, English, Dunkley, Smith and Bont, I think are really good picks on their own and they're all averaging 110 plus, but... If you take Liberatore and Trelaw out of the next batch, all of a sudden someone like Jay Gresham is the eighth um, best averaging forward. So that I think that's not too bad at all. So I think you just, at the moment, as Charlie said, get the rookies off field and, and deal with the, the likes of these other guys later. Thanks for that, boys. Now, the uh, if you like a punt out there and you're listening to this podcast, we recommend you check out topsport.com.au. They're the home of the best same game multi in the business where the odds actually add up. We preview their markets every week of the season. Um, so if you're making a new account, if you're linking up your account, use the code SC Playbook so they know we sent you. That's the code SC Playbook. 18 plus only, gamble responsibly. Uh, boys, uh, where are we looking this week? Where's the value? Point me towards something that's going to make me a little bit of coin for the weekend. Me or, or Dylan or okay, both? Charlie, go. All right. I, um, I had a shocker last week. I think I had Hawks 1 to 39 and Carlton 1 to 39. So that really didn't go well. But I love the Bulldogs um, against the Cats. I'm a big fan of the Dogs. I just think there's, you know, even though they haven't played well this year, I just think they're probably one of the top three teams, I reckon, in the comp. Um, and I like them 1-39 to 39 against the Cats, who are just old and slow and, you know, <laughs> a little bit not athletic anymore. Um, and then pair that up with Frio 1-39, to 39, uh, against who are they playing? Against Brisbane at um, Optus Stadium, so that comes in at five fifty one, which is actually the same odds as last week's. <laughs> Good signs. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, what about you? What do you like? Uh, I found it really hard this week. Nothing really jumped out at me. Um, I don't. I know we were terrible Saturday night, but I don't mind Hawthorne against Collingwood. I think we should yeah. bounce back. Um, Two sixty five seems overs for us. And then looking at the futures markets. Um, I want to talk about the rising start. I think might be biased as a Hawthorne man, but I think John Newcomb should be clear favourite for that. I think his impact oh, for us has been. I think his impact has been like a look at the other guys. Dacos seems to get the cheapies out the back a little bit more. Newcomb has been the man for Hawthorne. I think his impact has been awesome. Nick Martin's the other one that I guess is uh, is top three, and he's he's been good. But I think Newcomb's impact for his side has been far ahead of both Dacos and Martin. So I don't mind him. His odds aren't great though. Two seventy five is not a lot of value there anymore. I take it you didn't watch Nick Martin's uh, 25 disposal 12 mark game in the wet at Adelaide Oval on the weekend? No, I watched the last quarter in a bit, but I avoid Essendon at all costs, and I don't know why you don't either, Eddie. They're terrible at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I am trying my best to avoid them. Um, they, they hurt me. Um, I, my value pick of the week is uh, Melbourne at the line against Sydney uh, at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. I think, yeah, Melbourne are too good of a side not to respond from last week. Uh, we haven't got word on Stephen May yet, but if Stephen May's back in, uh, that's going to be massive for their structure. 
The line is 22 and a half. Uh, I haven't been very impressed with Sydney since basically round two or three. They've been pretty average. I know they had a good win on the weekend against Richmond, but they didn't really deserve to win that game. They were behind for most of it. So I'm going to take Melbourne at the line at minus 22 and a half. Uh, boys, it's time for the pod part of the pod where we have a look at your plans for this week. We've already discussed a bit of them in terms of trades. Charlie, just give us the quick rundown on what trades you're looking at uh, at this week again. So at the moment, none, um, but that could easily change to uh, Proust to Darcy and Rochelle to Owens. You still got Rochelle? Yeah, well, I mean, I um, I knew he was only going to be out for this week, so oh, for last week, sorry, um, but. Uh, I kind of forgot that he had the round 13 buyer. So I'm just, yeah, offloading him as, as soon as I can. Dylan, what about you? What are you looking at for trades this week? Yeah, probably nothing unless I go Hayes and uh, Hayes and Hinge to um, Owens and uh, Sean Darcy. Very nice. In terms of vice captains and captains, Charlie, where are we looking for, you've been doing the uh, the weekly uh, Instagram segment on captains. So where where are you pointing us this week? Give us a spoiler alert. Uh, all right, spoiler alert. Bont or Dunkley, vice captain um, against Geelong on Friday night. Or was it Thursday night? No, Friday, Friday night. Um, yeah, rate that. Um, it'll be pretty contested, so Dunkley should rack up a lot of tackles. Um, and he's coming off a 143, I think. Yeah, 143. Um, and then... Laird captain against the Eagles, probably really he looks like the best um, out of that midfield bunch, I reckon, um, as a captain option. Could cop a tag maybe, but um, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Also, don't mind Gorn as a captain versus Sydney. He finally got back to um, high scoring. He scored a 118 on the weekend. So he should, yeah, should make a, make a, a mockery of uh, Peter Adams. Lockie Neal against uh, Rio. Any any interest there, Dylan? Yeah, that's that's the only guy I think uh, Charlie missed. He's obviously he came from Freo. Um, so in the two games he's played against them, one was the seventy nine ages ago, but the most recent one was one hundred and seventy one uh, back in twenty twenty. Hopefully he can replicate that again. I, I, it does concern me a little bit. Um, James Ace went to Clayton Oliver at one point on the weekend and sort of um, curtailed his influence. So that is a little bit of a concern. Um, whether they, they send someone to Neil at any stage. Um, but Daniel Rich has also been tagged in the last few weeks and, and been nullified pretty well. So there's always that option, I guess, for teams playing Brisbane. But, yeah, Neil's the only one I think Charlie might have missed. What about James Sicily against Hawthorne? Um, you guys are both Hawthorne fans. Uh, Sicily's been magnificent. His last two games against Collingwood, he's gone a 1-4-1 and a 1-3-2 um, in 2020 and 2019. Uh, Dylan, is that one to look at as well? Yeah, I was looking last night at this, and I always look at the projections to sort of see where, where the Supercoach app has them. He's projected 150 this week, which yeah. I, I, I think is nuts. But like looking at his three-round average, it's 136, and his five-round average is 131. I, I don't mind it. I think it's just a little bit riskier when you've got a guy like Lockie Neal who can put up 40 and kick two goals, or a guy like Oliver that can do the same. Um, Bontepelli as well. So hopefully he scores well. I just don't think I've got the guts to put him as a captain. And we're playing too late in the round to have him a vice-captain as well. There's no one really in that. Bar. Oh, you could go Sicily into Neal. But, yeah, I think I'd rather just back in a guy that we know. Um, in terms of my plans, trade-wise, I'm looking at Proust to Darcy. But, yeah, it's tempting just to do nothing this week. Um, now, if you've made your trades this week, listeners out there, um, how well do you know your numbers outside of Supercoach? With interest rates going up at the moment, it might be time to finally trade banks 
and save yourself a bit of cash. Don't know where to start? Shoot Pat and George at Mortgage Choice, all at one, mer- all at all one word, Pat and George Mortgage Choice, a message on Instagram. I'll give them a call on 02-9521-1611. Mention that you are an SC Playbook listener and they will take care of the, take care of the rest. We're very thankful for the Mortgage Choice sponsorship of this podcast. Um, it's helped us keep things going so far this year and we're keen to keep it going for the rest of the season. Now, we put up a post on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter every Sunday asking for questions from listeners. Um, we've only got the one, one, one question coming in this week, but it's a good one. It's from Corey Blackledge. He wants to know, what do I do this week? I can't get Oliver. I'm out by 2K. I was thinking as a sneaky point of difference to bring in Jed Anderson for Hamilton as I need a round 14 player. Any other suggestions? Uh, Charlie, what do you think about uh, about Corey's little conundrum there? Well, I mean, I assume if he can't get Oliver because he's missing out by 2K, he can afford really anyone else in the game. Um, I think that's what he means. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't waste that on <clears throat> bringing in Jed Anderson um, just because I feel like you're going to have to trade him eventually anyway and he hasn't proven – like he's got one good score this year or two good scores. He hasn't really proven that he can score at a consistent rate. Um if you're able to wait a week, um, yeah, I'd bring in Merritt coming off his bye. I think that's probably um, – or you could bring in Tom Mitchell um, in anticipation of his round 14 bye. But I think Merritt probably is the best option. So I think from what his question is there, he's looking at – he needs someone who is who does have a round 14 bye um, because he's looking at Clayton Oliver who has the, uh, the Melbourne bye in round 14. So the players we're looking at there are sort of the likes of uh, Andrew Brayshaw, Tom Mitchell um, – Clayton Oliver, Petrarca, obviously. Uh, Jai Sinkin from North Melbourne. Um, Dylan, what do you think of Corey's little question there? Uh, yeah, it's hard because it's so so broad. Um, I, I do like what Charlie was sort of angling at in looking at value. I, I don't think it's worth looking at um, Jed Anderson. And, and just on, it'd be interesting to see who Corey's actually got in his team because I don't think there's much point in trading out someone like Hamilton at 150 grand anyway. Um, you sort of wasted a couple of trades there, I think, given he was picked up for 120 odd, or 102 actually he was. So yeah, I'd be looking at um, if you can almost get to Oliver, as Charlie mentioned, there should be a, a fair bit of cash to splash, and I'd be looking at getting in someone who's top six, top eight, top ten in their um, in their line rather than a mid pricer. Very good, thanks for that, lads. Well, that's about all we've got time for today. Um, thank you, boys, as always, for your time during the day, giving up your busy uni schedules to to help us out on the pod. Um, Dylan, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Pleasure. Charlie, thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, I'll pop the Panadols and have a little nap, I reckon. (laughs) Tough life. (laughs) We'll speak to you next week, lads. Thank you.